I'm really thankful that everybody came out today and really blesses me. And I'm just really, really, really honored and tremendously blessed um, to be able to speak to you guys today on um, a subject that's near and dear to my heart, and that's being a mom. So um, I just want to go ahead and um, pray beforehand, if we could, please. Father God, I just thank you so much for opportunities, Lord. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that your words would be coming out of my mouth and not my own, and that you would calm my nerves (laughs) and um, just give me your wisdom and your words to say to encourage um, mothers out there today. We love you so much, Jesus. Amen. Well, I want to thank Chad, Pastor Chad, uh, for um, blessing me with this opportunity. It's a pretty big deal, uh, especially for me. I've led um, home groups and cell groups and tons of kids' churches of every age at several different uh, locations and women's groups and uh I've never actually gotten to get up on the platform and preach a Sunday sermon. So I was really excited. Um, I was really nervous because uh, I had never done it before. And um, I thought that I knew what I wanted to, to speak on. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And then the Lord was like, what about this? I was like, ooh. Oh, yeah, that's good, too. And what about this? So by the end of two weeks, I had a notebook. I I write constantly in my notebook uh, to try and keep my thoughts collected. And by the end of two weeks, I had like five different uh, directions that I could go. And I'm like, okay, that wasn't real helpful, Lord. I'm like, thankful, thank you for the five that I have, but... Um, I want to be able to speak to you guys today from the Father's heart and not just my heart. And I didn't want it to come um, through anything of my own flesh, but I wanted it to be His words. So I have other sermons for hopefully future times that I'll be able to uh, come up here. But today we're going to talk about seasons of motherhood. So... A little bit about myself, if you guys don't know. Um, I I always knew that I wanted to be a mom all growing up, ever since I was a little girl. And I think that has a, a lot, lot, lot to do with that lady sitting right over there, my mama. Um, she was a good, good mama. Um, she was definitely a Proverbs 31 woman. And she was a very good example of what it meant to be a wife and what it meant to be a mom. And um, thank you for that, Mama. <laughs> I might not have been as, as good at a level as you, but I'm trying. You did a good job. I appreciate you very much. Um, when I was little, I would even, whenever I would go over to friends' houses and stuff, sometimes they thought I was nuts. Uh, I'd go over to their house and, you know, some girls are, let's play Barbies or let's play dress up or different things, you know, let's play truth or dare or whatnot. 
I would go, hey, I got a great idea. Let's surprise your mom and clean the house. Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> and they'd look at me like I was nuts. <laughs> but I did. I, I did that uh, quite often in a couple different friends' houses. I just, I don't know, I just, I naturally gravitated towards um, house things of things of home and and uh, things of children and even as a young teenager I had children approach me and just randomly I still have that um, sometimes I feel like Santa Claus it's very odd situations sometimes I'll just be out in public at the library at the park and I'll just be reading or whatnot and and I'll look down and there'll be kids standing there just looking up at me and and so there's a real deep connection, I think, um, that's within me for um, children. And one time in high school, um, I had several friends actually seek me out, people that I wasn't even really friends friends with, um, more acquaintances, they knew of me, um, but they would seek me out and ask advice and um just just things that, um, almost like motherly advice. And once I was really privileged, a friend of mine approached me and confided in me that um, she had become pregnant, and she was in the same grade as me. And she was just weeping and weeping and didn't know what to do, and she couldn't have this baby, and she's a teenager, and she hasn't even finished high school, and and she just didn't know what to do. And, and I talked with her, and I just shared a lot of the Lord with her, and I ended up feeling impressed to take her to um, a pro-life center um, because she was just really undetermined of what she wanted to do. And, and I ended up, I drove her there, and I took her, and I sat in the waiting room, and I waited, and I prayed. And she came out of that office um, and she decided, she said, I decided that I'm, I'm going to keep my baby. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and have my baby and put it up for adoption. And um, that's what she did. And she worked hard, and she did well. And she actually ended up even graduating with our class. And I still have this picture to this day of her, and she's standing in line, and she's going like this. And I have that in my head because she didn't think that she would ever make it to that point. And um, I was just really blessed and honored that she trusted me enough and confided in me enough to be able to share that with me. And I was just really blessed. And it's just been that way kind of over all the years. So being a mom was in me even before I was a mom, <laughs> long before. Um, I've been married to my childhood sweetheart, sitting right over there, Mr. Josh Smith, um, for almost 27 years. This July, it will be 27 years that we've been married. And, uh, gosh, I say it out loud, and it doesn't even seem like it's possible, um, but it is, 27 years. And he was actually my very first kiss. Um, so that was, that was really sweet. That was really sweet. It's awesome. Um, I have seven kids total. Um, I gave birth to five of those children. Um, I, uh, my husband and I both fostered 
16 children within about a two-year span, and we ended up adopting our two youngest that are sitting right over there. Um, They were actually our very first foster placement, and they stayed with us that whole time um, while other children would come and go um, throughout those two years, and we ended up adopting them. I have uh, two beautiful and wildly energetic uh, grandsons, uh, Elliot, who is five, and Ezra, who is three, and they are just the sunshine of my life right now. I'm very privileged and honored to be able to have them as my job. I do that Monday through Friday. I get to watch them. So sadly, they'll they'll be moving on to school in the fall. So <sighs> sad me. <laughs> to come up with something else to fill my time with. So I've been through a lot of different seasons um, in my motherhood, um, in my life thus far, and I'm sure that I'll have uh, several other seasons to go through. But um, I'm going to talk to you about seasons today um, for moms. And it's not just moms that are birth moms either. Excuse me. It's birth moms, it's adopted moms, it's foster moms, it's um, spiritual moms. Okay, you don't have to give birth to a kid to be a mom. Um, There's a lot of women out there that have that mother's heart desperately. And um, they might want children desperately, but they can't have, but... I'm here to tell you that you can still use that love that you have for children that the Lord placed in you for children that are not biologically your own kids. There's so many out there that need good parents and need that mom to end their lives. So I'm going to read from Ecclesiastes 3, uh, verses 1 through 8 first. Um, reading from the Fire Bible, for those of you that want to follow along. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill, and a time to heal. A time to break down, and a time to build up. A time to weep, and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Much like all of these different times, these seasons um, that the word is talking about, moms also have different seasons in their lives. Okay? And I ended up coming up with and researching and just from my own experiences and some from other moms' experiences of some different seasons in motherhood. So I've got uh, 
seven different seasons here. Some of them are kind of comical, <laughs> but not while you're in them. <laughs> Only after you've accomplished them <laughs> can you look back and laugh. Um, our first season that I have is a season of dreaming. Now, this could start when you're a child like it did for me, dreaming of the day that I'll be a mom, I'll be a wife, I'll be able to have those kids. Or it could be a season of dreaming um, for those who are newly married and they're excited about the prospect of becoming a mother or someone in a fertility clinic um, that's praying for those babies. And there's just that excitement and you're dreaming and you're wondering what it's going to be like. And there's just all this joy and wonder that's involved. That's our first season. It's a neat season. Our second season, however, (laughs) is a season of survival. It comes from when your baby's born to about two years old. It's nonstop sleep deprivation. It's an emotional roller coaster as your hormones are fluctuating all over the place. It's a season of brain fog and not being able to collect your thoughts. And it's a very tiring, tiring season, but it's well worth it. Our third season is a season of being a teacher. Generally, between the ages of two and six, I think, um, it's where you're forced out of that brain fog. You can't stay there, even though you might want to sometimes be in a fog. Uh, You're forced out of it because then comes, why? But why? But why is it like this? But why is it like that? Why is the sky blue? Why? There's all these whys that come And there's just this long season of training, of teaching, um, milestones that your child reaches, instructions that you give them, and also being a safety monitor, (laughs) trying to keep them and protect them from uh, all the the dangers that are out there, because they don't know. They're, They're testing their limits. So our next and fourth season is active duty. That's what I call it, active duty, because you've got to be on guard, on point at all times. Generally from 7 to 12 is our active duty where kids have schoolwork and homework and they got clubs and band and after-school activities and you've got to drive them to teams and practices and all kinds of stuff and you're constantly going and going and going and you're teaching them rules and responsibilities. Then there's our fifth season, the high alert. This is this is the dreaded season, <laughs> the high alert season, which you could guess is the teen years where you're constantly having to be in a state of vigilance and constantly watching your teen and uh, just a lot of mood swings for them, hormones going crazy. They're testing your limits. They're constantly pushing your buttons and seeing how far they can take you. And there's a lot of anxiety on a mom's part for the upcoming season that is next. And that's, uh, I'm kind of in that fifth season of high alert and this next season. And that's the season for me that I'm in mostly is the season of worry. And I try not to, but I'm a mama and I love my kids. It's a season of worry when your children that you've raised for 18 years or however long that you have them at home, um, 
You've raised them, you've nurtured them, you've taught them, and now you have to let them go because they desire their own lives and they want to live their, on their own and they want to do things on their own and that's perfectly natural and perfectly fine. But for a mama, it's really, really hard to be able to let them do that. Trusting the Lord that um, even though you love your kids, that he loves them so much more and that if you're faithful in your prayers for them that he will lead them and he will guide them it's a tough tough season to be in the seventh and last season i have not yet gotten there yet but a lot of uh ladies around me have gotten to this season and i didn't really know what to call it, um, just from talking with a couple of different ladies that are in this season, I'm titling it Wonder and Reflection, and that's when your children are adults, and they've been out on their own for a while, maybe they're married, you know, maybe they have grand, you you have grandkids like I do, and you're constantly wondering, are they taking their vitamins? (laughs) my mama. (laughs) My mama always says that. Are you taking your vitamins? And I appreciate that because sometimes I forget. And I'm like, oh yeah, I got those sitting there. I need to take those. And, And they worry. They worry, you know, how's their marriage doing? How's their walk with the Lord? You know, and how are they doing financially? How are they doing in, in, in their health? You know, are they connecting with other Christians? Do they have good friends? You know, it's just a constant state of wonder and then reflection. You tend to, as a mama, reflect back on a lot of the different seasons of your life. And there's a lot of celebrations and some sadness, um, but a lot of reflecting and um, some yearning yearning for lost time, and also yearning for more time. Um, I'll never forget. (laughs) Try and get through this one. I'll never forget the look on my granny's face. The last time I saw her, she had dementia at the end and I remember seeing her standing on that doorstep as we're all climbing in the car getting the kids buckled in and whatnot already screaming for snacks and stuff (laughs) like kids do and they always stand and wave you know until they can't see you anymore and um, I just remember seeing that look on my granny's face And how heartbreaking that was to have to leave that day because I could see it on her face that her time was coming near and um, she just wanted to be with us all. And we lived far away and um, I just really prayed for her that day. but I just, I remember that, and I could see that yearning on her face, that, that yearning for lost time. 
or for more time. <laughs> so if you have your mamas or your grandmamas <laughs> close by, can you give me a Kleenex, please? <laughs> I would encourage you to um, please call on them <laughs> and um, love on them while there's still time. I know we're, we're busy and um, have jobs and whatnot. Um, but I would encourage you to to make time, make time, so there's not that that hole there. Whew. Sorry, I didn't end on, intend on doing that. <laughs> Jesus, I'm gonna read um, a story here of a mom who was in a desperate season. It's in Matthew 15, if you would like to turn. uh, Verses 21 through 28. Turn my page. Give you a little background here. In this story, uh, Jesus and his disciples are traveling around, and um, it's very taxing on them, um, traveling around a lot. There's a lot of crowds, people pressing in, pushing in, wanting just to be able to to just make some kind of contact with the Lord, um, prayers for healing and deliverance and um, so there's a lot of times that the Lord desires to rest because we all know that he's part man and fully God at the same time. So his body gets tired, his body gets hungry. And so at this point, he's kind of wanting to remove himself a little bit from those crowds. He's looking for a quiet house, uh, just a little place to catch his breath maybe. So he decides to travel northward, um, further further away from Jerusalem and whatnot. And he's going into the district of um, Tyre and Sidon, which is an area of um, pagans. Okay. Now I'm wondering if he's thinking maybe, surely if we go this far north into this area, um, then there's not going to be a whole lot of people that that are going to be crowding around me. You know, people aren't going to have heard as much if we go into this far north region, and then I'll be able to rest. Because these people were, you know, uh, Gentiles. They weren't Jewish. And um, they were polytheistic, meaning that um, they believed in many gods. They were pagans, maybe Baal worshipers. And um, this is the area that uh, Jezebel's hometown was from. So you could imagine a little backstory there. So it says, Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from the region came out and was crying out, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away. She is crying out after us. 
He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done to you, for you, as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. So here's this woman, okay? She's a pagan. She's Canaanite, okay, which is an ancient enemy of Israel, okay? And uh, she had never heard Jesus speak. She'd never seen him, okay? She's a pagan. She'd never witnessed him lay hands on people or miracles or anything. But through word of mouth and testimonies, Word had traveled that far north, and she had heard of one called Jesus that could set her daughter free. And she was incredibly, incredibly desperate. But the disciples, they were like, Jesus, please, let us tell this woman to get out of here. Okay, And, and it's also in, um, the account is also in Mark as well. Mark seven twenty four through 30, he recounts the same story. And it says that uh, she's screaming out, she's crying out, okay? This woman is desperate for her daughter. Her daughter is just overcome with demon, okay? She's absolutely desperate. She's screaming out, she's a pagan, and she's a woman without a man, okay? She had no husband with her, she didn't have a male relative with her at the time. And I know in today's age, we're like, well, I don't need no man. I can speak on my own. I know how ladies, young ladies are these days. And that's true these days. But back then, it was custom. It was tradition. It was customary for the women to not speak out like that. They, they just, it was a big time no-no, very taboo for a woman to speak out. If she wanted to say something, she would tell her husband or her male relative, and then they would speak it out for her. And we might think that's not right, but like I said, it is, it was the custom in that time, and that's what they were used to. And these disciples were like, we ain't going to have none of it. This woman... She's lost her mind. We want her to go. Please, let us send her away. But the Lord didn't say anything. He was silent. And she had cried out, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. She knew who he was. Never seen him before. Never witnessed a miracle. Nothing. O Lord, son of David. She knew that he could touch her daughter. She recognized who he was and what he could do for her. The Lord didn't answer her, seeming to be ignored by him and by the disciples. And she's just crying out. How many times as a mom in multiple seasons of motherhood have we felt that way? 
ignored, unappreciated, you know, invisible, unseen, unimportant, all the things that we do. This woman was was feeling all of those things. So the disciples, while she's feeling all of this, the disciples are still begging, send her away, send her away. And Jesus answers to them and says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Okay? In Matthew 10, 5, it explains that a little bit. Um, It's where Jesus is sending out, when he's first sending out his apostles, okay? Jesus says in his own words, Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So that's where they started their ministry together, okay? When he sent them out, those were the directions that the Lord had given them. Go to the lost sheep of Israel, meaning Jews, okay? Um, Anyone that wasn't a Jew was a Gentile, okay? And in the very first part of the ministry, it was only for the sheep of Israel. So he's reminding them of what he said. But the woman came and knelt down before him, and she's crying out, and she says this one simple little prayer. And she's crying it out on her knees with all the desperation that a mother could muster. And she says, Lord, help me. And you know what he does? Jesus compares her to a dog. I could not believe that. I had to research that one a little bit. It seemed like a little to me, but there is explanation for that. And the Lord said, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs, okay? And they're the children's bread being Jews, the bread being the word, okay, the gospel, and feed it to the dogs, which by dogs he meant the Gentiles. Now, I researched this a little bit, and because there's a lot of different dogs, a uh, couple different dogs in the Bible, you know, they talk about the dogs that tear and rip and all that. He's not talking about wild dogs in this scripture. He's talking about your little house pet that sits at your chair when you're eating dinner and looks up at you waiting and anticipating for a little morsel um, to fall off your plate or maybe on purpose. Um, to, to be able to take that little scrap. So he's calling her a little house pet dog, okay? Still a little, little hurtful for me, I would, I would think. But instead of being hurt in him calling her this, she recognized her station. She understood the time that she was in. She understood who he was, and she understood who she was, and where she came from. And she says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. So she's even saying here, I don't, I'm not asking you for a full-on plate of food here. I don't need a steak and potato and all the fixings. 
I would settle for just a crumb that falls off your table. Just, just whatever you have, Lord. I'm, I'm just so desperate for my daughter that I will take whatever scrap of anything that you have. I'm, I'm not going to be picky. I'm not going to be choosy. Please, just, just one, just one little crumb from your table. And the Lord was astounded with her faith. This pagan Canaanite woman had such faith, never seen him, never saw him lay hands on anyone and heal, never heard him. And she had such faith, and she knew who he was, and she knew that he was capable of setting her daughter free. And Jesus says, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And she goes away and finds her daughter sitting in her bed. And she's perfectly healed and set free from these demons. Praise God. Now, this mother was absolutely desperate. She broke all manner of rules, traditions, customs, because she was that desperate for her daughter. Okay. How many times in our walk as moms, through all the different seasons of our life, have we been desperate? Starting with our beginning season, we're desperate maybe to have a child. Desperate when we're in labor and delivery. (laughs) Desperate to, to get that baby out but then desperate to hold it once it is. Desperate for much-needed sleep afterwards. And as your child grows, you're desperate for a shower, for a moment's peace. You're desperate to just use the toilet without having an audience. (laughs) You're desperate for energy to be able to keep up with them. You're desperately praying for your child's safety. You're desperately praying for their purity during the teen years. You're desperately trying not to come unglued when they test you and push every single last button that you have. I failed that one a lot of times. (laughs) You're desperate for reconciliation and healing in your relationships with your adult children. You're desperately praying they haven't forgotten you or how much you sacrificed for them and how much you dearly, dearly love them, no matter what. And finally, in the final stages of your motherhood, you're desperately praying these things all over again, maybe for grandkids or that spiritual baby that you might have. Our final scripture is in Galatians chapter 6. And I just want to encourage you mamas with this. Galatians 6 verse 9. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. 
Our kids need us to not give up on them. There's a lot of kids out there, young adults, even adults, who need spiritual mamas that need us to not give up on them. Sometimes that's, that looks like tough love, and they might not understand it. But you still got to do it. I just want to encourage you to not, not grow weary in being a mama. Don't grow weary in being a grandma. In due season, be persistent in your prayers for them. He sees everything that you do as a mom. He knows your heart, even when outsiders might be looking down on you or maybe, well, I wouldn't do it that way. Or I can't believe that she just did that to her kid or You know, people don't know your heart. They see what people put on the outside when you go places. They see the outside of man, of a mom. They don't see what goes on in the heart. People don't see moms in the shower crying and weeping for their kids. They don't see moms in their prayer closets or under a table or wherever they can find in their home just to have that little slice, that little piece of something to be able to cry out to the Lord for. He knows that longing and that aching in your heart for the season that you're in. He uses our desperation to draw him closer to him, to rely on him, to build our faith. I remember when I remember when I had five kids ages six and under. I had my babies close together. I thought I had a plan. If we got them all all together early on, then by the time they're grown and they leave the house, then we'll still be young and we'll be able to go and travel and do things and have fun and and whatnot. And that that was that was sorry, sorry um, plan. <laughs> but I had this dear friend of mine. Um, she was about 10, 15 years over me um, in age. And she looks at me, five kids, six and under. And she says, oh, if I could go back again and do that all over again, oh, I would. And I'm just looking at her like, you're crazy woman. You don't know. You don't know. And, and she's looking at me. And she goes, trust me, honey. Take this time. Slow down. Enjoy it. I'm like, enjoy. I'm in survival mode here. It's been five days since I've washed my hair. I can't remember if I brushed my teeth yesterday, let alone today. I think I ate today, but I could be wrong. Maybe I fed the kids, or did I feed the kids? Oh, my gosh. Maybe that's why they're hungry. (laughs) You know, 
I'm looking at this woman like you are absolutely out of your mind. And I, at that point, could not see what she had already been through and the wisdom that she had. And you might be out there or you might be watching this on the video. And I am here to tell you I have lived that crazy. I've lived the survival mode in, oof, oh, yeah, survival is a good word for it. But it does go by so fast. It doesn't seem like it when you're in it, but it does. It goes by so fast. And then your kids are adults, big adults, a Marine. <laughs> and it seems like yesterday that he was little bitty. My little Bubba, up there at Cornerstone, laying hands and praying for people when he was four years old. <laughs> so precious. It goes by like that. My grandbabies are already five and three, and they're starting school in the fall. So I'm here to tell you it goes by so, so fast. And when your kids are older, even teenagers, they might not appreciate everything you do. In fact, they won't. They won't understand. And they might call you names. They might be mean to you. But it doesn't matter. Because you love them. And you give them to the Lord anyway. And you don't give up. Because being a mom, it, is, it doesn't stop when, you're, when your kids turn 18. It's just a new season of being a mom. You don't ever stop being a mom. Don't ever stop being a mom. It's just a new season. And it's going to be over quicker than you think. So just hang in there, mamas. You guys are doing great. You're working hard. And though nobody else might see all that you do, he sees all that you're doing. He sees all that you're sacrificing, all that you're giving up. And he's going to bless you mightily for it, mightily. And you might not see it in that moment, and you might not see it in a future season. But whatever seeds that you're planting in your children, he's faithful to water them and watch them grow because he loves them so much more than you do. I just want to thank you guys for letting me pour out my mama's heart to you guys. And thanks for the opportunity to be able to to share with y'all. And um, I just want to encourage everybody, even if you're not a mom, if you're a guy, In life, just like the word said, there's a season for everything. And it's going to end at some point. Just rely on him to be able to get you through. Rely on the Holy Spirit. Call on him. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Thank you.
That was pretty awesome. Uh, here in a minute, I'm going to have Rachel pray over all of our women and uh, spiritual mothers, uh, not yet mothers. I don't. I want you all prayed for it. Uh, I've known Rachel quite a while, and I've seen her go through a lot over the years. And uh, I've seen her say, "God help me, Lord, just help me." And uh, sometimes, man, and I'm going to challenge you in this also. Sometimes we can be those those disciples where we're like, "Hey, you know, Jesus is busy," or "Hey." You know, don't do not do that. And uh, they could have easily just as well stopped and, like, helped that lady, and they didn't. And, and we're to do that, right? I've uh, worked with teens for a long time, and I've heard a lot of mothers and fathers both say, hey, I don't know what to do. And I could have easily said, uh, don't bother me. I got stuff to do. But you don't. You stop, and you, you help out. You be a part of that, right? We have great mothers, and uh, they need help. It's hard. It's not a, there's no manual with being a mother, you know. With dads, we're like, dads are like, I'm going to go to work now, and the mother's still worried. And uh, so, uh, I'm not going to make all you women get up here. I know some of you don't want to stand. Some of you are like, "Eh, I don't really want to be close to people right now. But if you're close to a woman, I want you to put your hands on them. And I'm going to have Rachel pray over all of you because, tell you what, that's a far... Her heart for you guys is far, far greater than what I can pray right now. So she's been through it. So, Father God, I just thank you so much. For giving me a mama's heart. And it might be the hardest job maybe in the world. (laughs) But you trusted me enough to give it to me. And that says a lot. If he trusted you and gave you a mother's heart... That means that he has full confidence in you. He would not have chosen you if he thought you couldn't handle it. There are no accidents. Ultimately, God is the creator of all life. He knew ahead of time and he trusted you with that mama's heart and you might be struggling in your season that you're in Lord God I just pray that you would send Holy Spirit to them right now wherever they're at you would comfort them like you did me and that you would be their best friend when they feel like they have none that you would speak to these moms when they're crying in the shower 
or they're kneeling in their closet and that you would reassure them that you got them and that they're in your strong and capable hands and that they don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have it all figured out. You raise your babies in the fear and admonition of the Lord. trusts you it's a precious thing and he doesn't give it lightly Lord God for those mamas that feel like they've just failed and did everything wrong I just pray that you would touch their hearts like you touched mine And then you would heal that hurt that aches deep inside. And then you would fill it with joy. And that you would give them a peek of their child's future. That anticipation, that excitement of what you have in store for their lives. Because no matter the dreams that we have for our kids the plans, the ideas. God's plans are so much greater. Father God, I just release my children into your perfectly capable and loving hands. And pray for all the kids out there of these mamas whatever season their child is in that you would rise up Holy Spirit prick their hearts and draw them closer to you put people in their paths that aren't their moms even other people other Christians that would point to you lead them and guide them to you Father celebrate all these moms today and I thank you Lord God that you trusted us all with the mama's heart strengthen it strengthen it Lord because without you I would not have made it (laughs) I wouldn't have You're doing a good job, Mama. You're working hard. He sees you. He sees you in your season. He sees your desperation. And He is faithful. So faithful. Bless these moms as they go today. Bless them as they go out, Lord. Bless the moms that are watching, Lord. Touch their lives. Bring them joy and laughter. 
lighten their hearts, lighten their step, and draw them to you. Use their desperation, Lord God, to build their faith and to build that relationship with you, Holy Spirit. Thank you so much, Lord Jesus. Ladies, don't forget to grab fudge before you leave. But if you're here in whatever season you're in, you're needing prayer. If you're in a dreamer season and you're wondering when's it going to start, we want you prayed for. If you're in a survival mode, we want you prayed for. If you're teaching, if you're reminiscing, whatever your your season is and you're like, it's just too hard right now, we want you prayed for. So uh, Ryan's going to play a song and you need prayer we'll be up here we have, we'll have women that want to pray for you our women once they're done crying they'll come up and they'll pray for you so uh, let's worship give you the heart of a mother the way she just did and uh, if you don't go out and love your mothers and the mothers around you today shame on you uh, as we're about to close in prayer I'm going to ask Ann to to pray over us because she has a a heart of a mother over this congregation as we all know so uh, I feel there's no better way than to close and letting her pray Father, we pray that as you have touched us today, as each one of us, whether our mothers are with us or with you, we pray that you go with us, that you increase our hearts for what is ahead for us. For there are children that are waiting for mothers who will love them here and in heaven's Move upon us, Lord. Increase our hearts and make us your messengers, your mothers. I pray that you be with each one of us and bless us and thank you for your presence. Thank you for your heart. We pray this in the name.